0: welcome back to following know it on a stormlight podcast this week is episode 91 and we are recapping the entirety of oathbringer by brandon sanderson it's been a couple weeks removed actually for us since we've done an oathbringer reading for elliot and paul when we're recording this so we'll be recapping the whole book and going through it of our highlights and our nitpicks and our lowlights that's um, and i we'll be rating it to start the episode and then kind of going
1: through it from there but to start uh Elliot how are you? I'm good I'm good it feels it feels good to get to this moment I feel like i've've I've hiked a 14er and I've reached the the summit and now we're just gonna have a a jolly stroll back down to the the bottom it was it, it was it was an effort to get through this one this one made you work for it this book but the payoff was woof unparalleled do you realize that most people don't know what 14er means? I, I, a 14er, for anyone who doesn't live in Colorado, 14 miles. It is a mountain of 14,000 feet elevation and greater. And yes, I know there's 14ers outside of Colorado, too.
0: It's just a very Colorado term. Anyway, Paul, how are you?
2: I, I appreciate the uh, elaboration. I was trying to figure it out. I was like, you know, a 14-mile hike would be really long. Like, yeah, that that, you know... So it makes sense. Okay. Um, I feel great. I'm excited to talk about it. Um, I feel like I'm going to be playing the bad guy or being really mean to our book. I would like to preface this video with, I loved this book. It was great. Um, I had a couple complaints which I think are valid. And other than that, I think I'm just going to kind of pick fun at it. Um, but it, this has been great. It's been it's been a fun book. It's crazy to think that this was my initial like, end goal when we set out on this um when we set out on this podcast my goal was to finish Oathbringer and then my life will be changed so um and here we
0: are there we go uh who's on our mug
2: our mug this week we have an Ar- ardent i knew it off the top of my head i did not look um we uh-huh. have an ardent this week on our mug and that is Jonathan if you can see. Uh, So thank you a lot to Jonathan, our ardent, who uh, is on the mug this week. This mug says, First Gent. Uh, The story behind that is, actually, my girlfriend made this for me. She's a president of a local organization, and so our joke is that I'm a first gentleman, which is really fun. Um, And so she made me a mug to celebrate. So I was also looking for new mugs, so it, it came at a great time. So... Uh, Jonathan, congrats. You are actually a first gentleman now, so congrats on the
0: the love. So thanks a lot for your support. Thank you. Thank you for your support, Jonathan. I'm not going to ask for two words to summarize the whole book, so I will cut to the intro and we'll start talking.
2: I have two words, um, oath and bringer.
0: It's one word. No idea where you're going with those.
1: Well,
2: you know, I made it two words. We've made two words into one word before. We can do it the other way. Okay.
0: I think I will have Elliot start with uh, your ratings. So go through, we've done this before on previous videos, but just real quick. We're going to be rating the plot, the characters, the world building, the theme, and the point of view um, of the whole book, and give a quick fifteen second, a uh, couple sentences of why you chose that rating, and then we'll go through it more in depth once we've all given our ratings of the book. So go ahead, Elliot.
1: Okay, Bud in If you guys have anything to say as I'm as I'm talking, but uh, here here we go. Alrighty. So for plot. I gave Oathbringer a 9 out of 10 for plot. The story was fantastic. The story was was amazing. Top five books I think I've ever read. Ever. Wow. However, I had to I had to drop it one point just because I think the plot at a few points felt a little bit disjointed. Particularly in like the Yeah, first half maybe like the middle third sort of it was kind of tough to to maybe wrap my head around where where this was going there was just so much kind of unknown and in front of us which is is totally a plot device that's totally intentional i'm sure from from sanderson but it just felt a little bit not quite as smooth or fluid as say like way of kings Way, way of kings was a little more like focused i guess as a plot than than Oathbringer was, so I, I just docked at one point for that. Characters, I did nine out of ten again for characters. There are there's one character in particular whose development was incredible, and of course that's Dalinar. I loved 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 Dalinar's journey in this book. I actually took a point off here because of Kaladin. Okay. I think that. Kaladin and maybe we're biased because we started with him, right? Way of Kings, you know, we were right in Kaladin's shoes kind of the whole time. I felt like he kind of got his story got dropped a little bit in this book. Yeah. I think not not only did he get overshadowed by Dalinar, I would fully expect that. If this is Dalinar's book, Dalinar should overshadow Kaladin. But it felt like more than that. It felt like I'm not sure what Kaladin's learned in this book. I'm not sure quite how he developed. And so Dalinar was amazing. The rest of our characters were great. There were some amazing shallan moments in here. We had some fantastic Renarin moments in here. But Kaladin, that track left me wanting a little bit. So nine out of ten. You could maybe talk me into like a 9.5 if we were doing halves. Next we've got world building. This one for I'm I'm willing to bet that this is probably a gimme on any Sanderson book for me, uh, 10 out of 10. His world building is is pretty unmatched out there. Incredible detail, always more to dig into, so much that I know I've missed, which is like a point in his favor. I know there's like nuggets of goodness that I'm just itching to go and like start my reread of the whole series now so that I can go find all those little bits of lore that are, are tucked in there. So incredible detail, fantastically delivered. I feel like we learned a ton. I think I learned more than I gained questions in this book, wow. which is a first. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-
2: Mm, that's a bold claim <laughs> we'll
1: we'll get to all the all the questions we do have left later but i i answered a lot i feel like i'm starting to feel comfortable in this world and understand a bit about what the the cosmere is and what at least roshar is so world building amazing theme 10 out of 10 and my answer on this was very undecided until like the last 50 pages of this book. Yep. I did not know where this was going. We we talked about this right throughout the whole book. Where is this going? We talked about how terrified I was of how this journey could go. And the way it wrapped up was beyond my expectations. I, I'm going to talk more later when we talk about like maybe some of our our big parts of the book or our, our take on Dalinar's journey. But I'll just say for now, theme easy 10 out of 10 for me. Last one point of view. I went ahead and did an eight out of 10 on this one. And there there's two reasons kind of one, one docking for each one. I know three reasons, three reasons for, for eight out of 10. First one, a little bit, I, I wrap a, a, a few different things kind of up in this category. I don't know if that's cheating or not, Trevor, but the, the pacing of the book was a little bit rough for me at times. The, the Sander Lynch at the end of this book is crazy in a good ways and in bad ways at the same time. Like it's super exciting. It's super adrenaline filled. The actual events that are happening are awesome, but it is just a breakneck hectic pace. Like I've read it. I've, I've studied it twice now and I still feel like I'm, you know, drowning, trying to drink from a fire hose each time. It's, it's almost too much. It's almost, it's almost too awesome. Yeah. Brandon, your book is too awesome. The the other thing I'll I'll mention is um descriptions. And I've actually I've docked points from Brandon on the last two books for the same reason. There, there's one part about Brandon Sanderson's writing that that bugs me just a little bit. And and I'll, I'll caveat this with a similar caveat as from you at the beginning, Paul. I love these books and I love his writing. It's amazing. It's engaging. It keeps you hooked and you really want to read more. But there's one little part of it that I I is not quite to my taste. And I'm gonna go off on a little, I know I've been talking for a little while here monologuing, but I've got a tangent if you guys are willing to let me do it. Yeah, go
2: for it. Please please do. I want
1: to hear okay. it. Okay. Buckle up for for a little bit of a of a tangent here. So I've talked before in our, our previous two books and our in our uh, ending episodes that i wish sanderson would describe the book the setting like the events a little more sanderson is very kind of in the moment you're in the character's shoes you're you're hearing their thoughts but the but there's not actually that much description of like the world around you i i wish sometimes there would be a little more of that tell me what the characters are hearing as they're walking down the the streets of of your as they're as they're in the you know the board meeting with the the coalition. Like, what are what are what are all the characters you know, wearing? What does it look like? What is the the ambiance in the room? My brain like wants the the story to pause and get more of that. And, and sometimes you just don't. But I've learned. I found out by doing a little bit of research. This is entirely intentional by by Mr. Sanderson. He writes this way on purpose. And uh, a shout out to one of our. Our, our listeners out there ranks in our our Discord. He uh, helped me dig up a, a video. Brandon Sanderson posts quite a few of his uh, college lectures. He he teaches at uh, BYU, right? Yep. Out in uh, Utah, and he 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 teaches writing classes, and he posts quite a few of his uh, lectures on YouTube. They're super cool. I've only watched a few because I know that he's rather infamous for random spoilers so i usually try and stay away from his youtube channel as much as i can for now um, but i was watching a few and he talks about how he writes the prose of his story very intentionally this way and the the metaphor he uses is that of a window pane he's intentionally trying to write in such a way that you don't stop and notice the words he's using all you see is that the world you're in it's a fully immersion based technique of he doesn't want to spend time on those descriptions he just wants to suck you right in and then he also talks about how he draw he he wants to describe the world using his verbs and not his adjectives and his adverbs he wants to show you the world and not tell you about the world and if you if you think about that for a second it it makes total sense like you can see that's his style is you're in the moment things are happening you're doing it with the characters you're not taking a moment to kind of you know pause and look around and see the world around you. So it's a very engaging thing. It's not quite a hundred percent my taste. I wish I knew more about the, the world around him, but I I've learned recently that this is a hundred percent intentional by Sanderson he, Sanderson. He writes this way on purpose. Good stuff. I'm
0: going to go next because I think we'll spend, we can spend more time on yours, Paul, because mine's not going to be very controversial so plot i have nine out of ten i think one of the main criticisms and it's a valid criticism of oathbringer is it's slow it's deliberately slow it's you could probably cut out a full 200 pages and still maintain the essence of the story fairly well um namely shadesmar um shadesmar has an interesting like side quest that starts in part four and you're like, what is happening here? So the, the plot is really, really good. It's intentionally slow. I really enjoy it that, uh, because it's intentionally slow, but it, I don't know. Nine out of 10 characters, world building theme, all 10 out of 10 for me. Characters phenomenal as always world building, maybe the best fantasy, world-building author I've ever read theme. This is my favorite Stormlight book. I've said that for however long now, and it's because of how Dalinar closes this book and what this book actually means um, and what he's trying to um, tell the the reader. The the story itself is amazing. Point of view, I also gave it an 8 out of 10 uh, for a total of 47 out of 50 point of view there's a few things lacking as elliot just touched on so i won't go into too much detail on it but his i'm a big fan of sanderson's uh prose and his describing his world in verbs as opposed to adjectives and adverbs i really like that and i'm a big fan of that but i also agree that it's not Brian Jakes is the one that comes to mind where he'll spend two full pages telling you about the soup that all the mice ate in Redwall. Like, you know, that's just who he is. And it's kind of fun, but there's pros and cons to both. So 47 out of 50. All
2: right. That leaves me. Um, I'll just go right to it. Uh, For plot, I had slightly lower... Than than Trevor and Elliot. I had I, I did go with halves, by the way, Elliot. I have eight and a half for the plot. Uh, my it. main complaints were honestly the plot of Shadesmore I was extremely excited for. Um but I overall, like with how it ended, I didn't really like it, because it felt like they just got into a problem. Uh it felt like our characters got into a problem which they couldn't fix and then were kind of like luckily snapped back by Dalinar, uh, it was just kind of a... It, it added a great amount of suspense. And as a reader, it was very engaging. Like, incredibly engaging. Because I had no idea how they were going to get out of that. Um, but with the way it ended... Which was my favorite scene, by the way. Like, Dalinar pulling all the realms together and everything was incredible. But I did not like that as... Um, the story... Like, I, I didn't know what the point of the Shadesmar story was with that so that was my biggest uh dock of the plot line that and it is it is pretty slow you know it's uh like overall but i thought it was good and important um i think where i would dock it a little bit more is leading up to our climax it did kind of feel like brandon was playing with me a little bit in like stopping and like adding suspense, and we were at, like, maximum suspense, but then he would come back and still not give the payoff yet, and you had to wait, like, another time around, you know, of perspectives, um, that I honestly felt was a bit unnecessary, I guess, it, like, sometimes, so, uh, 8.5 out of 10 for plot. For characters, I, I went same as Trevor, um, I think the characters are a 10 out of 10, I think the range of characters, and specifically how they interact with each other, is incredible. I think it's very consistent, and it's like I really know them as a person, because I can understand whenever they meet someone new, how that interaction is going to go, which I think is incredible. Um and That was my highest rating. Um World building, I gave him a 9 out of 10, okay? And... My reasoning... I feel like I'm in trouble. My reasoning <laughs> for this is... Explain yourself. Um, <laughs> uh, hold on. Okay, 9 out of 10. My reasoning is honestly... I don't know if it was a length thing, but there were times where I felt myself getting unengaged with the world as I was reading it. Um, and I think... I, w- I will say, one thing to preface is a lot of the things that Brandon Sanderson describes and depicts in this book are very big and abstract things that are hard to imagine, right? Like Shadesmar and all the stuff with, like, Odium and everything it is incredible, but it's it's hard to depict. And in some instances like that, I would like a little more of what Elliot was saying with like describing the scenery. Um, but in general, I, I, I like the way he does it. I really like the way he, he shows and doesn't tell, I guess.
0: Um, can I chime in there for real quick? Yes. One of the, one of the examples of this that I've actually been frustrated with in the past is a thunderclast. I feel like I've, when I finished Oathbringer, I still didn't know what a Thunderclass looked like. And I had read, and I'd seen it like four times now. But that's kind of, it's, it's kind of intentional, because none of the characters are stopping and looking at the Thunderclass and going to think about it to themselves. They're giving a two word description, and then they're going to fight it, or they're running away or whatever. And so verbs as opposed to adjectives.
2: That's fair. G- given the context of knowing how he tries to do it. That makes sense. Um, as a reader, I was a little confused and honestly a little disappointed because we remember Thundercrafts' class from the prelude, yeah. and so I was kind of hoping for that to be a bigger deal, I guess, or at least see a little more. Um, so, anyways, nine out of ten for world building. I'm giving it a 9 out of 10, and it's, like, a controversial thing, so... Right. That's kind of funny. Uh, Theme. This is where I went even further. I have 8.5 out of 10 for theme. Um, And honestly, my reasoning for this, I I think the ending of the book was incredible. I think a lot of the storylines were great, and the messages were great. But I was a little let down by the words. So Dalinar comes to his conclusion, and kind of, like, the most important... Words a man can say is, I will do better. And that's a great message. But just me, I was a little let down. I thought that seemed very vague and broad and was, I, um, it it was inspirational and moving to an extent, but I, I didn't, my earth was definitely not shattered. Um, and so kind of the, the theme of that, I, I wasn't uh, super impressed, and so I I gave it an eight out of ten, eight eight point five out of ten. Um, so there we have it. Uh, point of view. I actually went up a little bit. I gave it a nine. Um, I I do understand the f- the franticness, especially at the end. It feels very jumpy around and more hard to follow but I love the method of storytelling of the alternating perspectives and kind of seeing our different parts. Um, and I love how it feels like everyone is crossing the finish line kind of at the same time in our books. Um, it's like a whole bunch of different avenues and parts and they all kind of finish the race together, which is, I think is really cool. And, and I love personally love that, that mode of storytelling. So, yeah. so overall it's, a, it's still a 45 out of 50 um, that's four and a half stars. You know, mm-hmm. I I loved the book. It was great.
0: I do think it's funny that one of your major critiques is you'll have a scene, and then Brandon Sands will tear you away from it, and he does that a couple times. And then one of your strengths at the end there was I like everybody crossing at the same time. Like you can't have I you, know, you see I what was, I'm saying. I see what you're saying, and I'll I'll say that. V-
2: I think a lot of those times we were jumping was unnecessary. Like, I think he was adding too much, or trying to add too much suspense. And that we would go back, and it wouldn't add much. I don't think, like, the times we were jumping back were adding anything. I didn't have a problem with the jump. Like, if it's a cliffhanger, that's great. Like, I'm fine with that. We'll come back. But it felt like we came back and didn't get anywhere. It was still the same cliff that we came back to. Mm-hmm. we were still just on the, standing on the edge of the cliff. And then we would come back and, like, yeah, that, that was pretty much it. Oh, um, maybe this will make it worse. But I, I remembered another point I actually had about why I lowered my score for the plot from y'all was, compared to our other books, I don't think I liked Dalinar's flashback chapters as much as our previous books. Okay. So that was why. I I loved the the climax of his especially the night watcher maybe my favorite moment from flashbacks ever that was incredible Uh, but a lot of it before that just didn't feel I I wasn't as like surprised or invested in in his flashbacks until like the very end so that's
0: my rating for 45 out of 50 sounds good all right Next section, just general impressions, general highlights that you had, um, and we can talk about it back and forth. I am a big fan of Bridge Four, and we finally get a decent amount of Bridge Four point of view. That's actually part of the slow um that you were talking about, Elliot, in that first, middle, third-ish. It's, it's part two, and we, we stop for seven or eight chapters and just have... Bridge Four hanging out in Urethibru, and that's that's part of the story. We're just getting, you know, a, a rock point of view chapter and a sigil point of view chapter and a Moash point of view chapter and some of those. I I'd be willing to bet his editor said cut some of those and he refused. I I'd be willing to put some money on that, but I'm a big fan of of Bridge Four point of view chapters and Bridge Four just as a whole.
1: I I did too. Enjoy those. I loved getting to get a perspective from like Scar, Rock, Lopin. Like learn a little more about those characters was super valuable. But I don't, I think that played into, like it it took away from Kaladin. It took the spotlight away from Kaladin a little bit. So I, like I want all those Bridge 4 perspectives, but I also want more Kaladin. But I also don't want to take away from Dalinar, so I don't know how you how you make it better. But yeah. I enjoyed those two.
2: I also like. I thought the it was a great idea. Um, I I think I'm fifty fifty. I'm fifty percent in in the boat of I want more Kaladin. I think we really got to see a lot from like all the Bridge Four guys, pretty much, which was really cool. And I'm glad he like committed to that doing it, but. i I might have enjoyed more of like like seeing from s- some of our more notable like having still having the like rock scar 6 old chapters um but then leaving extra room, I also one hundred percent believe and I would also bet money with Trevor that an editor probably recommended to remove them, and he was very staunchly like, no, if we are removing these, we are not releasing this book like just. For- Microphone. Uh just very like deliberate that 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 it's important. So
1: I I wonder though if by this book his editor knows him pretty well and he's like, Hey man, I'm I'm doing my job and I gotta tell you to cut these, but you aren't gonna do it, are you? No? Yeah? Okay, fine. They stay. All right, moving on. I could also definitely see that happening as well. I do want to revisit
0: the the Kaladin storyline feels like it's been dropped because i i would agree with you uh that you know in book 1 you know obviously it's Kaladin's whole story that's the entire book book 2 he still has plenty of page time he's got his he's got his story b that happens with Elokar and moash and he he realizes at the end there that this isn't right and i'm going to do what's right even if i'm going to die to do it Book three, he literally can't say the fourth ideal because he hasn't learned it yet. I mean, he's learned the, he knows the words, but he hasn't had the character development to say them yet. Is the is the argument there? So, but by that argument, his entire plot line has been dropped, and he hasn't learned anything.
2: I I actually am gonna pull back a little bit, or or, or okay. I'm I'm trying to organize my early book thoughts because, honestly, I don't remember the early parts of the book near as well. Right. But he has really good, I would say, development up to the point where Elokar dies, right? We get to see him uh, as he, he's really having a a, a struggle or inter- in, internal battle about our Parshman finding humans, right? And right. I thought that was genius. I loved every moment of that. And that that also, I, I honestly was remembering this as we were talking about it. Uh, when he gets, like, captured, in quotes, by the the Parshendi and, and goes with them and and learns a lot about them, and mm-hmm. we really see his heart soften for them, I think that was great. I honestly... Maybe it just goes into my little Shadesmar bucket that I'm not thrilled about. Um, in that I think it was great growth for Kaladin up until that part, and then after that, he was sent on a quest, but the quest didn't really work out, and they are kind of bailed out. Um, and I think that could have... Put... The thing is, I don't know what you do there, uh, but maybe if they had some big... I don't know. I, I-, I figured that could have been done differently, so that Kaladin could have had more growth or a different avenue of character development or something like that. Um, But I do think in the beginning of the book through that part with Elokar there, we see some, some good Kaladin development.
1: And it's not like Kaladin is necessarily hurting for good moments. I mean, we have the epic showdown with Kaladin and Amram at the end of the book. That's right. awesome. But I'm with you, Paul. I, I just feel like there might be a few kind of bricks missing in the the path for Calon here because he he reaches this moment where he's struggling with this fourth ideal. He knows what it is, but he can't bring himself to say it. And I'm just not quite. I'm not quite with him there. I'm not quite understanding what the the struggle is that he's having. I forgot kind of about the early like Parshendi and Parshman. Struggles that Calvin had. You're you're absolutely right. That was a good little struggle, but then it feels like we were were almost just missing like a a small little chunk. How did we get from that to he can't say the fourth ideal to he, he shows down against Amram. So still lots of cool stuff just, but yeah, almost.
0: This is a really funny conversation from my perspective. I just want to say that, but I, what I will say is it's deliberate that it's, this this Kaladin feels like his story's been dropped is deliberate and that's because of his depression his depression has stalled him emotionally in shadesmart and it ha- you see it right at the beginning of part 4 he's literally a husk and of like of himself and Syl is super concerned about it because and there's a couple conversations that they have like are you okay Kaladin? he's like yeah i'm fine blah 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 and his character arc stalls and it feels like everybody else is moving and he's not. That's a very relatable feeling for someone who has depression where they feel like everybody else is moving on with their lives. And then I'm stuck at the the train station. Everybody else is gone. So I'll just say this will be revisited later.
1: I'll, I'll also totally give the, the story the benefit of the doubt of as a first-time reader, I'm so distracted by everything else. I'm so just like trying to figure out Dalinar. I'm trying to figure out the many personalities of Shalon. When I, when Callan comes around, it's like, sorry, I got way more confusing things to think about. Callan. Sorry, I'm I'm gonna flip some pages here, <laughs> like not literally, but that that's kind of the thing that the thoughts.
2: If uh, if Calden's uh, worried about being left behind, I wonder how Adolin might feel. Or, mm. <laughs> uh, I I I like what you like that point, Trevor. I'm glad you brought that up because I I hadn't thought of that. But I don't know if that's I didn't notice it or like in my head I don't remember anything that could point to that mm-hmm. as being like a thing. Maybe like. Hearing from Brandon Sanderson and hearing the, like, inside insight of of what he's trying to do with that, and I'm excited. I have a lot of, I have full faith, actually, that that will, like, pay off and come to fruition, like, right. have a purpose. Right. Uh, but right now, finishing this book, it doesn't quite add up for me, so. Yeah, I totally get Looking that. Looking at it in the context of, of Oathbringer, I, I didn't pick that up, I guess, so.
0: Okay. You can't talk about Kaladin at length without talking about Moash. Let's talk about Moash. Okay, so Moash kills Elokar. In Moash's mind, his story arc is done. He has no point in his life anymore. By the end of the book, he is just a tool of the fused. He doesn't care. He has dropped all moral compass if you will. He knows who Yezrien is, and he kills them because he's been told to, and he has let go of all passion, let go of all feeling. And there's a there's a passion conversation that we could have of Leshwi sees passion in Moash before Elokar dies. After Elokar dies, We get a couple Moash chapters of, I don't feel anything. I am using this pickaxe on this rock for weeks, and I don't care because I don't have anything else to do with my life. I'm just going to hit rocks with a pickaxe. And Leshwi comes to him and says, you can have the Honor Blade, and with it will return passion, but you have to kill Moash. Do you guys remember that part? And he gets a new name at the end of the book.
2: Who are they giving the Honor Blade to?
0: So the Honor Blade that they stole from Bridge 4, they give to Moash at the very last scene of the book. Like, the okay. the last chapter right before the wedding. They gotcha. give it to I Moash. I, was, I
2: think I was confused because I think you said at the end, but you have to kill Moash. I right, no, that what is I...
0: what I said. Oh. Leshwe, what, Leshwe says, you can take this Honor honor Blade, but if you take it, Moash dies. Moash okay, right. will be no more.
2: I, I remember that now, and that makes total sense. I just heard that, and I was like, "Whoops, you meant to say Yezrian or something <laughs> right, no. or whatever." So, okay, my apologies. So that makes no more sense. Like, leave Moash behind.
0: Right. So Moash okay. <laughs> is no longer Moash. The only person who will be referring to Moash as that name is Kaladin. Moash will refer to himself as Vire.
1: So a, a potential rebirth moment, although not necessarily in a positive light.
2: Yeah, most definitely not, unfortunately. I I feel like each each book we're getting a more despicable enemy for uh, for Kaladin to face down, so I'm I'm looking forward to uh you know, next we had the Zeth Kaladin sky battle last book. Are we going to get the Kaladin Moash sky battle next book? That'd be pretty cool. True. I could I could do with another one of those battles. I liked that.
0: Jancy from our Patreon in our Discord server had a perfect comment in this in our one of our channels, and I'm just going to read it. Uh, they said, "I love the progression of Moash killings." A fused in self-defense, a king in retaliation, a herald in cold blood. Each one is more significant, and each one is more sinister. Couldn't have said it better myself.
1: Yeah, that summed up nicely, like my reactions to those without even thinking about it. Because the, the the first one, you, you can you, you can kind of defend Moash, y- even with Elakar, you know. He, you can at least understand what he's doing right but but then when he kills yezrian it, it, there's just something that kind of flips in my brain it's like okay n- now you've crossed a line to just callous not caring being told what to do killing people now you're just a force of destruction you've you've flipped from relatable maybe anti-hero to uh, okay now you're now you're a villain. And now we need to take you down.
2: I agree. I think i I also want to point out his killing of Elokar. I I think that's like the most emotionally involved I've been with a killing or a death in our story so far, and it's not fully out of. Uh, Elokar was definitely developing, and I like him a lot more now than at the beginning of our story for sure, but. I could understand Moash's point of view at the end of Words of Radiance, right? Right. Now, where he actually killed Elokar, I cannot I cannot find an ounce of of concern for Moash because he is literally this is happening like while the fused are attacking a city. Like it is an end of the world kind of scenario and he's seeking his personal vengeance, which really Physically harms me. It reached up from the page and physically slapped me in the face. Well, the audiobook—I don't know how that works.
0: It just happened. You, you dropped your phone on your face in bed.
2: Something like that. Yeah.
0: Do you guys like he, Moash as a character? Is, I don't want to say him, it, but yes. <laughs> is he well written? I should say.
2: Yes, he's he's he in the. It's been a long time since I've seen these stories. But in the same way, if, if anyone watching has read or seen Game of Thrones, in the same way that like Ramsey is a good character, I think of of Moash. And he, he's kind of written to be despicable. And he does a great job at making him despicable. Um. So I li- he's well written.
1: I like that Moash is not two-dimensional he he's he's grown he's changed as the books have gone on we we just talked about there's there's a progression to moash and i think that makes him a well-written character do i like him no right i'm not supposed to like him i did like him we did like him originally then we try to defend him and now we just can't defend him anymore and it's it's to the point where we 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 hate him but that's, that's, the, that's a journey we were meant to go on, and we were guided along very masterfully. So I, I do love the character progression there. I, I did want to mention briefly, <clears throat> and this will tie into some of my other kind of big takeaways from the book. You can, you can draw some interesting kind of contrasts between the decisions that Moash makes. With the decisions that Amaram and Dalinar makes, and the the culmination of that is the responsibility that Dalinar takes. That moment where he says, "No, you cannot have my pain. I I keep it on myself. I choose to deal with what I've done." Even though there's a bit of there's a bit of an out there. There there's a there's a le- potentially legitimate excuse that Dalinar might have in the thrill, but he says no. That was me. That is who I am. It has made me become the person I am today. Contrast that to Amaram, who just kind of takes the easy out. Amaram just says the, okay, Amaram, sure. Or not Amaram. I'm Amaram. Okay, Odium. You can have my pain. I don't have to deal with it. Make me awesome. And then there's Moash, who kind of like almost takes responsibility in the wrong way. He like says, oh, I'm a villain. I might as well just be a villain so tell me who to go murder and i'll go murder them like that that scale is is i have to think about that kind of hard it's it's a cool little comparison Amaram at
0: the end realizes that he finally realizes that what he did was wrong but he to- he chooses the easy out and says i'm not going to deal with that mentally you yep. can you can have it I'll do whatever you say. You can have my pain. I'm not going to deal with it. Or you guys is,
1: I've kind of led it so far. I, I'll mention, a, I'll tie into that a little bit more. My takeaway from the whole book, like as a whole, was that concept of responsibility, which I thought was, was great. and And they didn't, we didn't even quite know where it was going until the last fifty pages of the twelve hundred page book, you know it was all this build up, all this build up, and then that moment where Dalinar says all of that terrible stuff, all the stuff that we've had to now endure with him, all of those flashbacks where we were cringing as we watched Dalinar do some pretty terrible things, and then for him to stand up and say. I take responsibility for everything that I've done in my past. Like we know what that means because we've seen so much of it. That was so, so cool. And then you can actually tie the responsibility part into Shalon as well. I actually think I'd be willing to bet that Shalon's pr- progression in this book might be a little underrated. I bet there's a lot of Shalon fans out there actually who probably don't think that's underrated They're, they're all in on that. But like that scene with Hoyd and And Shalon was amazing where where he tells her like you have worth, you are struggling with who you are, know that you, Shalon are worth protecting like that moment that like sort of you can take responsibility for you are for who you are because you are worth it like wow, that was so so cool, so lots of really cool takeaways from this book, I thought
2: i I really love your your word to conclude this book, Elliot. I think responsibility is i could i could i cannot think of a better word for sure and I love the the concept of responsibility and so that's that's really great um I think my favorite moment of that was probably with hoyd and shalon so i'm I'm really glad you brought that up as well i think I don't know if it was my favorite for the theme, or because I really wanted someone to talk to Shalon about her her uh, scenario, and so good word. Uh, I was really like, thank you a lot, Hoyd. Hoyd, if you're watching this, thank you so much.
0: You know, it's a it's a nitpick, but Shalon stole Dalinar's therapy session. Dalinar could have used that same responsibility talk right and Elliot you were really looking forward to this
1: this talk between Dalinar and Hoyd that you thought was coming and it never happened
2: I don't think maybe so. I need
1: to go back and and dock another point off the plot because that's right I forgot about that we uh we were supposed to get a scene and usually we get multiple kind of Hoyd moments with some different characters but what the the moment I was waiting for that we didn't get was like that enlightenment moment that Hoyd like delivers. Like for Kaladin, it's it's the wander sale, right? Where he right. tells him this story and it kind of opens Kaladin's eyes to what he could be. And then there's there's a brief flashback with Shalon in Words of Radiance, where she encounters Hoyd when she's younger. And he has this I forget the details of exactly what he said, but but he awakens in her some of that, you know, oh, I could be more I was waiting for that with Dalinar. Where, where is that moment where Hoyd causes Dalinar to see something he hasn't seen before? I might've missed it. We, we, it might be hidden in there. I'll be honest. There was so much that went on. Maybe there is a comparable moment we can find, but I wasn't, I was, instead we got the really cool Shallan scene, which was awesome, but we didn't get a comparable Dalinar moment. The
0: I'll spoil it for you and then say it's not there. It's, and it's, Deliberately not there. In in the Wave Kings, we have the Wandersail. In Words of Radiance, we have two. We have Fleet, which is Hoid showing up to Kaladin while he's in prison after he's defended Adolin, yep. and he tells him of Fleet. And then the one you were referring to was Middle Fest, um, an, where the messenger talks with Shallan and says. I know you can light weave. Embrace who you are. You don't have to hide this. And he light weaves with her. And then in this book, we get a Shalon and Hoyd uh therapy session and no Dalinar. So
2: I I want to talk about this a second. So We didn't get this Dalinar moment, but I think I like I like that we didn't at least right now at least for the pur- purposes of this book, because Dalinar still had his big revelation and big development, and he kind of came to it himself. He had a lot of talking with the Stormfather and a lot of you know work that went into it, you know, but he came out on his of his own volition and told Odium, "You can't have my pain." That was me. And had his huge triumphant moment, and it was just him, which I think adds to that power. You know, I think Hoyd was there. Right, one thing we kind of know about Hoid. I don't know the rules of it, but he's where he's supposed to be, at whatever time, and he was there, and he's been able to help Kaladin and Shallan, who, from the stories we've seen, or, or from present day, not not counting flashbacks, mm-hmm. um. Dalenor is much more responsible and mature, I would say, than, than Kaladin and Shalon. Um And I, I feel like Hoyd has been kind of a mentoring figure in a kind of a funny but sometimes serious way. Uh, whereas with Delinor it's less needed or or he's able to get to these big moments of growth on his own, which I think adds a lot with my respect to the character. Um, And so so I took it as deliberate as showing how Dalinar did this um, without Hoyd popping up and being like, you know, maybe that was your... Maybe you should take responsibility for that, or, you know, that kind of notion.
0: I think that does play into it a lot of Dalinar's age, that he has been through the journey himself already and he can pull himself through that based on what he's already been through not based off of you know what fleet did in some parable that Hoyt's going to tell me paul do you have anything that you want to highlight i have two things that i would like to highlight
2: well okay three one is just zeth is awesome uh the two actual ones are I wanted to bring that up a little bit, what what you're saying. There was like the story of Fleet and stuff like that. In this book, we something I'm just remembering is we get a lot of like intellectual and like moral or ethical discussions with Dalinar and Taravangian, which I think are really interesting. Yes. And also kind of supplement that that notion. Um I don't remember the tale exactly, but there's kind of the the one about like, a criminal or a burglar or a or something. It's, like, a hypothetical situation that Tyrvanjian gives to Dalinar. It's in The Way of, of like, Kings,
0: and they're talking about it, yeah.
2: Yes. Do you remember that well enough, Trevor? Can I you do. actually, yeah. like, provide more context there?
0: So Dalinar is referring to uh, The Way of Kings, and he talk- he's talking with Tyrvanjian. This is when he still trusts him. And he says, there's a parable from Noadon, and it says there's one guy who commits a crime and there's three candidates and there's no way of figuring out who actually did it. There's all three of them say I didn't do it. All three of them have perfectly, perfectly good alibis. What do you do as a King? What do you do? And Tara you can go back and forth of, well, do you imprison all three of them to make sure the murderer is off the street or do you let them all go because you can't confirm who did it? And then you're punishing two, uh two innocents or whatever, and Tervanjian comes to the conclusion of, oh, I just kill all three of them and make sure the world is better because there's no more murderer. And Dalinar says, Well, I wouldn't do anything even if I had a thousand murderers and one innocent guy, and that's the that's the difference they come to is if there's one innocent life lost, it's not worth it.
2: Yes, thank you so much for that context. I did not remember it in uh, that accurate of detail. Um, But my my point of bringing that up is I think that was uh, just an excellent display of, one, Delanor's character, um, and two, just honestly tackling some big questions, you know, and and stuff like that. And so I thought that was just really great. And something I wanted to touch on that we saw with Delanor that... I'd kind of forgotten about a little bit. Um, My last point, or last overall thing that I want to appreciate with Oathbringer is how big of scale our problems are now. Uh, We went from the first book where we were trying to survive a bridge run, and now we're trying to make sure this god doesn't kill this other god, and like, (laughs) (laughs) all this crazy stuff, uh, we're worried about like divine beings and cosmic destruction and trying like wrapping my head around it is super awesome and and fun and um I I, le- I it's crazy to think that we got here from where we started. Even though the page count makes adds up, sure. But yeah, <laughs> I but it, it's super cool to see and I'm I'm really happy with the magnitude of our of our conundrums right now.
0: The way I picture it is you're zooming out. In mm-hmm. in the first book you're you're look at the at the shattered planes. And then in the second book, you're looking at the war between the Parshendi and the Alethi and the Everstorm is the big climax. In the third book, you're looking at Roshar. You're looking at all of the how how everybody's gonna come together. Are they gonna work together? Who's on whose side? Blah blah blah. And then we're fighting over Thalen City, which we've never been to before, but we still care because we care about who's there.
2: So the next book we will be looking at Roshar. It's just further away. Right. right. It's just smaller. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. But th- that's all that I, uh, that, that concludes our general impressions of the <laughs> Do we
0: even need to do this next, uh, this next section, favorite characters. lighting Round. Kaladin. Dalinar.
2: Oh, wow. That was really fast. I wasn't prefer... Zeth. Uh,
0: okay. Uh, honorable mentions to Renarin. Shout out to Renarin.
2: Yeah, I, I love him. He's great.
0: Okay. Well, we've already done some of this, but I do want to revisit it within this context. The Dalinar discussion. That's what we have in the outline. And I want to frame it within this context of the first two books, Dalinar is up here, especially from the point of view of Kaladin of, well, the first book he's kind of here is, is he ever the light eyes who everybody says he is and the first book. Yep. Turns out he is, he's up here and he lives up to everything that everybody says about him. He's an awesome guy. So, we've had Dalinar on this pedestal, kind of, and he hasn't really moved. He's done a little bit of movement um, of, like, character development, but outwardly, his his character to everybody else has been up here. He... He's Mr... Uh, codes. The Alethi Codes of War. That, that's him. Halfway through Oathbringer, well, about third of the way through Oathbringer, he comes from here to, like... Woo, way down there, and you're like, "Oh, this guy's terrible," and then he builds him back up throughout the rest of the throughout the rest of the book. What are you guys' thoughts on that type of character construction? Is that I thought that was brilliant when I read *Oathbringer* for the first time. I was like, "That is amazing! Like that is so cool." I've never, maybe not never. I rarely come across a character where an author does that where. You'll have this such high expectations, and they completely deconstruct the character from the the base foundation of what you thought the character was, and then rebuilds it. Of no, this person is still who you thought they were, even though they were they were here.
1: I I, I thought it was tackles. a really. Go ahead, Paul. Okay,
2: um, I'm gonna tackle this a little bit right quick. I think the, I, th- I think, it was. I I also really like this approach, um, where we have an excellent character, and then honestly, Brandon kind of does his best to try and tear him down. You know, with the flashback chapters, um, at least with the climax of them, I would say, mm-hmm. um, where you know, no big deal, he accidentally kills his wife, uh, or he kills his wife, you know, all this stuff. It's it's a big mess. Um, I think my drawback to this is when so the big moment is is Delano's rediscovery of his past going to affect who he is now we we see him as the honorable outstanding character but is his past which he's rediscovering going to make him be like stray from that path you know is he going to reaccept that um, and he doesn't, which is incredible, uh, I think the only thing that annoyed me about it is when he finds out, at least from what I remember, we don't see him interact really at all. We know he is drinking himself away and trying to get a grip on himself, um, which especially given his character and his history with alcoholism, makes logical sense. Um, But I personally would have liked to see him maybe try and step into a role, and it would have made more sense if he was trying to uphold and was faltering in how he was dealing and working with people, Um, where I, I feel like it was kind of the approach of he's just very absent, not like touching that, I guess. So I, I felt like he, in my mind, he never really had a like, negative downfall, because like, current I was very honorable and good, and his rediscovery was the obstacle, and it felt like he was kind of absent for a while and just kind of came back refreshed, which was worked well in the end. But um, to me, that didn't feel like as big of a struggle as I may have expected I guess which sounds weird to say but um, overall I'm being very mean by the way I am being as mean as I can to this story Mm -hmm. (laughs) so
1: I thought it was a really creative way to give a character like Dalinar a, a progression something to learn you know, you, you see characters kind of like the Dalinar of Way of Kings and, and Words of Radiance a lot. They're they're the the paragon of virtue. Their, their character's not supposed to go on a journey. They already are who they are. It's your younger, you know, hero and heroines that are you know learning from them. That's kind of what Dalinar was. He he was that you know that light from above. But then all of a sudden, here we get into a book where we're able to take that you know, on a pedestal type character, that, that wise figure and say, oh no, this person has a journey to go on to. Here's how we're going to do that. Like that, it was a really creative way to explore that kind of character that doesn't get done very often. If, if ever it's, it's a twist kind of on the, on the, uh, the paradigm there.
2: That is a really good way of, framing it that i honestly i i don't know if i took fully into account uh my mind jumps to the like dumbledore like gandalf kind of characters who are the exactly br- like like the notable like noble wise fair like characters and we don't see them struggle they're just perfect and no harm can come to them kind of thing and bring that up that that's really that's really great uh and, and i do really like i really appreciate that they showed that struggle and then got to show him overcome that um but yeah i honestly didn't think about how rare like i i don't know if i could think of another example of that kind of character development
0: i'm glad you brought up what dalinar stands for for the for everybody else the the younger generation the Shalon, Kaladin, Adolin, age group. Everybody holds Dalinar to this pedestal, and then we just went on this whole journey with Dalinar of reconstructing his character, but nobody else did. Dalinar went through that full thing privately. If Dalinar starts sharing some of this, is that going to affect their view of him? And like, oh yeah, by the way, I was a war criminal 20 years ago. Oops, sorry. Hey Renar and I killed your mom. Sorry. You know. How do you think we'll have that conversation?
2: How does that go? Yeah, I don't know how that goes. <laughs> I don't know at all.
1: <laughs> I I bet it's gonna go about how it went for us, right? We had that shocking moment of wait, it, this is this is Dalinar? You're telling me that Dalinar did this? Like that's gonna be the reaction of people when they hear it as well. We had to go on a thousand page journey to build back up our trust and our confidence in dalinar and i think where we're at now is even higher than we were before we respect dalinar even more than we did before but if he breaks this to adolin to renarin if kaladin learns about you know the darkness in dalinar's past i think there's going to come doubt and that's going to have to grow that trust is going to have to regrow that'd be my guess because that's kind of how we had to do it any predictions on when
0: and if those conversations are coming? Are they coming early Rhythm of War? Are they never coming? Is he, is he just going to keep this journey to himself?
2: I my, my guess would be it's like a part two of Rhythm of War kind of thing. Like, I don't think it's going to be near any of our, like, Sandra lynch territory at all. Right. And I don't think we're going to put it off a full book. Um... It seems kind of important, like if you know, to have that, or I mean, that could be a part of Dalinar's development. Just maybe he's too afraid to tell his kid. which I that's valid. If you're afraid to tell your kids you killed their mother, like that's that's very earth shattering. And, and so that's right, but I, I could see it as like a big dramatic conversation earlier on in our book.
1: I'm gonna play this a little, a little meta here. At the end of Words of Radiance, I predicted that the big event at the end of that book, Adolin killing Sadius, was gonna be a crucial plot line, critical to Adolin's development. We were gonna dwell on that. We were gonna deal with that immediately in Oathbringer. We didn't even mention that like more than once for three-quarters of the way through this book. And then finally at the end, Adolin starts confessing that to some people. So I'm I'm going to flip-flop here. I want to say that this is going to be something we have to deal with in the near term with Dalinar, but actually I'm going to try and and second-guess Mr. Sanderson here and say I don't think we are going to revisit this. I think Dalinar is going to keep this to himself, and it'll probably come up later. It'll probably come up eventually, but... I think this might not actually be uh, that big of a deal going forward.
2: I could I could see that. I don't I don't know why Dalin or why Adolin or Renarin would ask Dalinar because it's right. kept, been water under the bridge right. in their family for years, right?
1: And, so, and maybe Dalinar feels like he's you know he's fought that demon. He's he's beaten that. Move on. Don't even think about it kind of hope that's not the case because i want to see that family dynamic but i'm i'm putting on my you know brandon sanderson hat here and trying to guess what what he's going to do and i think that's what he's going to do
0: do i need to remind you that he's writing oathbringer does that change anything my glory and my shame
2: i dedicate this book to my kids adeline and renoran whose mother unfortunately passed
1: I think it's going to take him a while to write that book. I think it's going to be a while before that comes up. Someday, yes. Someday, it'll be, hey, son, I need to tell you about this. Oh, by the way, here's a book I wrote a few years ago about this. But nah, I'm sticking to it's not going to come up. I'm going to regret this. You can play this soundbite later, but... I might.
2: I think if it was any of our other characters... I would be fully on the... It could just not come up. But I I think if any of our characters are going to share that, it'd be Dalinar.
0: All right. Favorite quotes. Let's try to not spend too much time on our favorite quotes. So I will go first. I've got them right here. I have two favorite quotes. Actually, I have like 17 favorite quotes, let's be honest. But I limited myself to two. And... They are, poetically, the beginning of the in-world Way of Kings, written by Noadon. Shout out to our podcast title. And the beginning of the in-world Oathbringer, written by Dalinar at the very end of the book. So when we find out the in-world Way of Kings, this is Yasna reading aloud like down the hallway at Gavilar's funeral and yasna is speaking this aloud this is the first page of the in-world way of kings the question she replied is not whether you will love hurt dream and die it is what you will love why you will hurt when you will dream and how you will die this is your choice you cannot pick the destination only the path I really enjoy that quote, but I enjoy more the context of how we receive that quote of Yasna reading aloud and Dalinar overhearing, and then they read the whole book together. And then my second one is at the very end of the book, the most important words a man can say are, I will do better. These are not the most important words any man can say. I am a man, and they are what I needed to say. That quote's a lot longer, but I'm not going to read the whole thing. I did that last week.
1: I'll, uh, <clears throat> jump into, to my quotes then Trevor, you stole some, some really good ones if you hadn't already put this on the outline, I, I would have, but that gives me an opportunity to, to dig for some, some other good ones. Cause there were quite a few really a good, uh, throw pillow quotes. I would call them something you can embroider on a throw pillow and put it on your couch. The, the first one I pulled up, I feel like summarizes at least the first half of Downer's journey in this pretty well. And i I'd be willing to guess this is a fairly famous one from this book. And it, it's this. Sometimes a hypocrite is nothing more than a man who is in the process of changing. And yeah, how that ties into the whole who is Dalinar? Is he the Dalinar that we know in the present day? Is he the Dalinar of the the olden days? That whole struggle was a a really cool mental exercise to kind of, to kind of go through. The next one I want to read is actually from much earlier in the book. And it didn't really, it it didn't really have the weight that it has now that we've read the whole book. And I just kind of stumbled across it. I was going back to my notes and I was like, wow, that's, that that that's really important saying here, and it's actually in the discussion where Dalinar and Kaladin are talking about the 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 part of the kingdom, the the land that Kaladin is being granted. Now that he's a, a light eyes of a certain stature, he's supposed to have land. Dalinar's like, "Hey, we found you a great little you know fiefdom over here. You can go be the 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 Duke of this land," and and Kaladin basically responds with like. Sir, I, I don't want that burden. I, I don't want to do that. That sounds like a lot of work. And Dalinar responds with this If you'd wanted a life of burdens, you shouldn't have said the oaths. And like the more you think about that one, the more it's like, oh man, that's, that's a good one. And then the last one, I'm not even going to say anything about it. It's stand on His own. It, its own. It's cherry picked right out of, you know, a a a bit of a I think it, it's an interlude actually um, but it but it stand on its own it's a fun little quote that I actually really love probably maybe my favorite from the whole book one can believe in a story without believing it happened
0: I believe that's from a recent interlude it is it is so I
2: had one quote uh, from our book which which really stood out to me and and what i wanted to bring to the table um in chapter 82 this is when wit and Shalon are talking and he says you're not a monster Shalon." Uh, wit whispered oh child the world is monstrous at times and those there are those who would have you believe that you are terrible by association i am no for ye see it flows the other direction you are not worse for your association with the world but it is better for its association with you this was that moment that um i had been wanting shalon to have for a while um i i make fun of shalon a lot on this podcast uh but but i mean she's a great character i i really appreciate shalon um, and I was very much looking forward to this kind of development and moment or uh, that form of breakthrough. So, yeah, that was the biggest quote I chose. Uh, honorable mention to Wit saying, you look like you need the opportunity to get me something to eat.
0: That's a, also a good one. Yeah.
2: Also, uh, this is my first time getting to open the physical book. Can y'all believe it? I've got the actual book here in my hand. And it took me a while
0: to find quotes, but... Not not a true Alethi man knows how to read. Yeah. Exactly. All right. Now. Elliot, you said at the beginning of this episode that you felt like you had more answers than questions and that is quite the quite the statement but i would like to go into this next segment and revisit our the the wave kings wrap up episode the same thing we're doing here and you just had a list we made a we made a video about it uh, just like a 4 minute like quick i'm reading everything that i might have a question about and i'm going to read that same list and i want you guys to give me a one word response that if i were to ask you what this word meant, if you could accurately define it, and if you're satisfied with what you know of it at this point. Okay? I'm excited. I'm excited for this. Alright. Dawn Singers. Uh, Sort of. Yeah, those Singers. Taravangian. Yeah, Understood. Ghost Bloods.
2: I don't know. Maybe the, I don't know the scale yet. I know who they are. Shalon's family.
0: Yeah. Got not figured out. Yeah. Symbol heads. Ah, uh, yes. yes. Old magic. We
2: both turned our heads. Maybe. Was that in relation to the like mysterious woman interlude? This is, is in relation
0: to the Night Watcher. Okay. Go to the Night Watcher and dabble in the old magic. Okay. So mostly,
2: I would say we have we have hints. Yeah, we we have a, a gu- guesses.
0: Everstorm.
1: Yeah, mostly.
0: Odium. Yeah, I've got got them figured out.
1: Yeah. Adonatio. That one Art- I still have a few questions. I think I kind of get it.
2: I I I think of. I don't know how much I should elaborate elaborate, but. The, the origin. I think I get it. No clue.
1: Origin is like top of my. Wanna know about it for no real actual reason. Like I'm intrigued about what the or what the heck the origin is. It probably doesn't matter. Parshendi no dalinar. <laughs> <laughs> Been there done that. We got that one. We uh, we're good. It's all good.
2: Yes, yeah, sort of. Yeah.
0: The it no was dalinar
2: part still confused me a little bit. It me. was
0: explained. They saw him at the feast, they knew who he was. That, yeah, that was all yeah. explained. <laughs> Fabrials.
2: Yeah, it's just it's fantasy engineering.
1: We've come a long way from when I first, you know, asked that question, but there's still some some questions. We know like
2: that you have to be a smart engineer person, know a lot about them, fancy stuff pants to use them and or to make them, but we don't understand the full-on mechanics, which I think is okay.
0: The Sunmaker.
1: I, I can't even remember if we're supposed That's... to know anything about this one anymore.
0: That's like da- the
2: original owner of Oathbringer, right? That, That's That like, guy who conquered a lot of people and places.
0: Correct. That's the Alethi Tyrant guy who swept across Roshar with Oathbringer. Yeah.
1: Dalinar's Wife.
2: We
1: that is a be- mystery we solved. Midnight Essence. We know more, but maybe not all. You, uh, you know
0: they are from the unmade What's Their Face yep. Who Is Hiding in Your Thiru? Yeah. Right.
2: Ray Shapir. Is it I is think it so? Ray Shapir?
0: Yeah. yeah. The one yeah. the Stormfather.
2: Yeah. He's a Her- He's a like, a uh, junior god, you know, God Junior. Everybody's Lower with G him G god now. God Junior, yeah. The
0: scouring oh, of Aemia. Ooh. Nope. No clue. Nope. Tef's past. Uh, no.
1: Was yeah, kinda. A
2: little bit. Got a
0: glimpse. Moash's past.
2: Nope. That that's a big one. I want to know now.
1: I we got
0: the With, story. Yeah, within the you you actually do know this one within the context when this was written, Moash is like, "Man, I hate the king," and everyone's like, "Why though?" And that whole words of radiance arc was the answer to that question. Okay.
1: Old bloods. This is an offhand mention that has never come up again. I'm intrigued.
2: I didn't remember this at all. Rissen. Yeah.
1: We definitely know more, and I think we're about to find out even more when we go into our next uh, novella.
2: My one word for Rissen is "girl boss."
1: Aemians. Hardly anything.
0: It seems unimportant in
1: the
2: grand scheme.
1: Curse of kind that ties in with the Aemians, right that's it that's does. in reference to axes yeah we need to know a lot more about that the 10 essences we've learned that they we've kind of learned that they tie into you know specific things they're they're related to the gemstones potentially even the heralds the orders the 10 fools
2: not much that may be a offhand like common tongue reference of our unmade somehow
1: see if it was nine i'd be all over that but it's 10 and they're they're like usually referenced is as like a inverse of the heralds but there's 10 and there's nine unmade so it doesn't make sense the envisagers we learned a little bit about these in, in for Tef's past, right? Mm-hmm. We, definitely some, some unknown there, but we we at least got told who they were. You're a Ah, we've been there.
0: It's a town. Noodon.
2: Nice nice guy. Nice man.
1: See, we've seen a lot more of him. I still feel like there's more to learn there though. Can we can we pause on
0: this for a second? No. You have as much context as I did when I named the podcast. Do you understand why I named the podcast? Or have has that been satisfied in your heads? Oh yeah. I'm
1: tracking. Yes.
2: Yes, because initially we are kind of following the footsteps or trying to figure out the footsteps of know it On. And we see way less, if anything, from know it On now, but I feel like Dalinar has followed in his footsteps and we're kind of following Dalinar, so Correct. That's how I've and that,
1: and the way that the in-world way of kings has been so kind of central throughout, and Noadon being the source of that, like that—that that is kind of the core essence of what we are trying to discover and, and walk the path of. So, yeah, we're totally following Noadon so far.
0: Yep, it was two parts where, for the first two books, you're trying to find Uruthiru, and he literally walks from bar to Uruthiru, which actually ranks brought up the point of is that just like a generic term of like i walked from a to z i walked from a bama bar to your like i walked the whole world is basically what he's saying you know what i'm you understand what he's yeah, trying like to get is, to. is
2: it literal or is it
0: just like an expression right yeah i had never thought about that before but until he brought that up uh world singers
1: yes and no Red eyes and white eyes. I was really keyed into this when we read Way of Kings. There was emphasis on, I don't even remember the specifics, but certain characters having red eyes and then some certain, a few different characters had specifically white eyes. I'm ready to, we haven't really learned anything super specific about that. I'm kind of ready to write that off as eye color is really important in this world, which we didn't fully like understand at that time. Maybe there's more to it. Amram, Oh, yeah, that guy. We,
0: yeah, we,
2: he's gone. He's, he's dead. He's toast.
1: The Mistress. Ah. She was really mysterious when we first saw her in her interlude in Way of Kings. Mm-hmm. But now I think we know who she is now. You do. That is Shalash,
0: who's going around Roshar destroying all depictions of herself. That's true. The prime Akasix.
2: Not the faintest idea.
0: You know who this is. You just forgot.
1: We we know that primes have to do with like the ruling you know entities of like the Azir type worlds, and so I think there's a few different like primes that are mentioned, but we I think we have a, the gist of what these people are.
0: This is the guy who. Terevanjin has killed by Zeth before Yonagon is brought up to be the the Prime. It's just the leader of the Azish. He's just some, like, king guy. Uh, Dawn Cities. Somewhat? This Where is... Where the Dawn we, Shards are from. This is in relation to Capsule. Do you remember him? He had his little sand pot, and if you played a note on it, it would vibrate into the shape of Kolinar or Thalen City or whatever
2: nice
1: hoid <laughs> are we ever going to yeah, get enough answers we've, we've about got, that
2: guy we got him fi- yeah no we got him <laughs> figured out I think we figured out everything we needed I
0: just used know. Hoyd yeah. question mark as the thumbnail for that video because uh, I thought that was yeah. so funny just Hoyd as a question <laughs>
1: The ideals. I remember how nebulous that was when the concept was first, you know, posed to us, but I think we have a fairly good understanding of at least what the structure of ideals are, the different ideals.
2: We understand the
0: purpose.
1: Long shadow. One word, long shadow. This is another mentioned once and never again, but was capitalized. So I know it's important.
2: Isn't it just like the whenever you go into shade, uh, sh- when you go into Shadesmar or closer Shadesmar, your shadow turns around, turns up in front of
0: you or whatever. This is a name, right?
1: Yeah, this was it. different. I don't know. Dawn Chance. It's yeah, C-
2: kind of bit. Sorta.
1: Tara. Yes, finally. <laughs>
2: Was that Kaladin's high school crush? Or yes. Child?
1: Yes. Okay. That one bugged me for a That's long cool. time.
0: Bright collar. Also a name. Bright, bright
1: collar. One word. Another throwaway mention. Life brother. Yet again. And.
0: Dawn shards. Right. Ah. Going
2: back to our little names, my guess is like some kind of. <laughs> local podunk reference to different heralds or something just like a nickname for them or something but who knows dawn shards we have figured out Yes, that's good
0: paul's got them figured out i need to read dawn shard again to remember what they are i don't
2: fully know what i don't fully know what connects them but we know what they are right our dark sphere uh Zeth's sword, nightblood, you know, um, our king's drop. Uh, Anything that doesn't fit into our narrative and we don't quite understand, that is like an item or weapon. Uh, Azure's sword, yeah, so those are just a few of our dawn shards, which we'll
0: find out more of them. All right, I've done enough talking. Time for you guys. That was all of our, our questions coming out of the Way of Kings. I don't know, sixty percent answered or so. Yeah. Pretty good. Seventy percent
1: fifty ish. Do you uh do you want the the new questions? I do. From this point forward I want questions
0: and then I want predictions. What are we going to learn about? What do we not know about
1: and how is that gonna go? So I have another fairly moderately long list of minor questions that I just have as one words to add to our, our list. But some of the bigger questions, I definitely have some of those. Some of the major questions that aren't quite as major are things like, you're a Thiru? Are they going to figure out how to turn the place on? Like we get all these references to the the place is like unpowered or they got to figure out how to activate it or... Is it like alive? There's some weird references to that. Like, are they going to figure that out? That's a big unanswered question.
0: Just pause real quick right there. Where's the line between sci-fi and fantasy?
1: Wherever it is, we are flirting with, if not crossed it at this point. (laughs) Because the Way of Kings is a fantasy book, right? I mean you you've got a
0: little bit of magic, but it, it's it's just a fantasy world. You're you're dropped in. If they figure out how to light up a glowing tower with stormlight electricity and have elevators and all sorts, of, you know, at what point are we into science fiction?
1: Right? Like it it's coming fast. And the day that transition started for me was Oath Gates. As soon as we had Oath Gates, I was like, Whoa, we are we are branching out into Into the sci fi world. So, yeah, if they get like a fully autonomous city going, yeah, we're all the way there. Another big question out there is this might be the biggest, honestly. Renarin? Renarin seems to be like the key piece at this point on the chessboard. He is maybe the most important character going forward. Like, Dalinar's had his moment, right? He saved the day. Super incredible. He vanquished the thrill. But now we know that Renarin is like the missing piece, the link between all the different sides here. So how is that going to play out? My prediction, my guess, I think we might see this story take a darker turn. I think that we, we just saw a pretty epic. We were up against unvanquishable evil and we had our, our deus ex machina moment where we, we save the day with a, a catastrophe to use a, a Tolkienism Tolkien term. Yes. Yes. And I, I think to maybe kind of reflect that to be, to be a pivot away from that, I think our next story might, might be a little darker. And I think Renarin could be at the center of that. That, I don't know if that's quite a prediction, but you can throw that in the prediction bucket.
0: There was a a phrase you used there for a second of, Dalinar's had his moment. This was my big prediction at the end of Oathbringer, going into Rhythm of War. I thought Dalinar was going to die. I thought he had had his time. I thought he had had his arc. I thought he was going to die. Now, whether that actually happens... We can read and find out. But where I, when I was at in your shoes right now, that was my,
1: you know, that was everybody's big prediction, basically, if Dalinar's going to die. Paul, I got to know what you think about Renarin.
2: Yes, so I, I wanted to bring this up. And on the topic of dying, I also am predicting in our next book that we're going to have a major death. Um, but Dalinor actually didn't come to mind. I, I wasn't thinking of the which character has like kind of finished their, their time on the show. You know? Um, I I didn't know fully who to predict but I, I think if we have a death it's going to be like one that really hurts. So what came to my mind was Kaladin. Um, I could see him very well Fourth ideal ending up laying his life down for his friends um, and being a very emotional moment there. I have Renarin listed as a potential. There's a lot of. So I also. I really hope to see Renarin as more of a centerpiece. I really do, because I'm very intrigued. Um, but I could see there just being a lot of emotional drama with Renarin dying. Um Oh, there, there's several. I I think we'll see a major death. I don't know if I can f- accurately predict who. Um,
1: I think if we did if we do see a major character death, the one that I think would hurt the most would be Adolin. I think a lot of those other characters we could lose them, and it, it would be emotional. It would be impactful, like a Dalinar. But you would feel like you know he had his moment. He earned his. He championed it, and then you know he he sacrificed himself. Like that would be a y- you'd feel complete after that but i feel like adolin's story is just beginning i feel like adolin he's had some struggles he's had some great moments but i feel like he's just like at the launching point still so if we were to lose renarin that would be a painful one or not renarin adolin
2: i i could see that i i am actually in the boat that i Both of those characters, actually, Adolin and Renarin, would probably be near the top of my list of most impactful. Um, I could see this both ways. My initial thought was if Adolin died, I could see a very driven storyline from Renarin to try and fill Mm. those shoes. Yeah, Um, And in another way, I could see that Adolin potentially becoming a Knight's Radiant through the grievance of his younger brother. And and there's lots of ways you could twist that, which we're really, like... I'm getting emotional right now, and this is off of a hypothetical guess of what might happen, which odds are won't happen how I'm guessing. But, man... Uh, but I, I can see that being very emotional, and, and seeing, like, a big stand-up charge from either of these characters, kind of in... Kind of, we, we've seen the passion with Kaladin driven through Tian. I think we would see that on a more personal level if we had that as a dynamic between Adolin and Runarin.
0: Any big questions into theories or just questions?
1: Another big one on my mind is Shah Anat. Can we trust Shah Anat? It sounds like Shah Anat might be willing to defect to leave odium and maybe help our heroes sean may have already done so it seems like she has and so yeah i'm not sure
2: i would like to find out more about our perpendicularities oh yeah they're very
0: important but when i when i was in your shoes i i was completely baffled by the perpendicularity like what just happened with dalinar he claps his hand together in the spiritual realm floods with stormlight and the cognitive realm pulls everybody who's physically there into you know i was so confused i was like what you were confused trevor um, well wow, like yeah, it just made perfect sense to me
2: i don't i can't believe man
1: I'm wondering who's going to get to their fourth ideal first. We've been told specifically that fourth ideal, you get your shard plate. And it seems like no one's gotten there, except for some rather interesting hints that Trevor has dropped recently. So I guess the big question is who's going to get there first, or has someone already gotten there? I'm not sure.
2: I think this is too early for me to say. It. This is my last thing, and that honestly, I'm way more excited for fourth ideals to be passed because I'm shardplate. We understand it's been at least a character in our story for a long time, right? All the initial shard plates and blades, but I would like to understand the significance of what's beyond that. Uh, with fifth ideals, because I have no, cl- not this. I don't have the slightest guess or clue you become the law for the skybreakers that's as much as i know right i'm very invested so i'm excited for our fourth ideals so that we can start to think about fifth ideals
0: (laughs) i don't think we've mentioned it yet but uh zeth who's Mm -hmm. awesome by paul's standards has been Mm -hmm. granted access to the search of division we, I don't think we. I think we've kind of just brushed over that. But
2: isn't that awesome? Nail, that's so awesome. <laughs> Nail right. said,
0: "You can now do division. I'll come back and teach you it, but it's now yours. Bye bye." And that's how he. That's how he leaves it. He's like, "Be careful."
2: Okay, Trevor. I have a test for you. Seth can do division. Can you do long division?
0: <laughs> if I was in sixth grade maybe but <laughs> I
2: thought about that the other day and I was like wow it has been a long time since I've done long division
0: anyways that's not
2: important
1: yeah as if Zeth wasn't powerful enough now the dude is crazy deadly has night blood the most destructive thing I think we've seen yet and can now wield division wow We have the ever-present dark sphere question mark, which we got the, a second dimension. Uh,
0: I was gonna say we got our second dimension. We, we've already
1: said this and
0: laughed about it, but I just want to revisit the fact that Elliot was right with Paul, <laughs> carrying it through this whole time, and right before part five of Oathbringer, he's like, "You know what, man? I don't think we're gonna. I don't think we're gonna learn about I the dark up. sphere." He gave I up. gave up, up the race at the
1: finish line. <laughs> Uh, oh it's not the finish line that was just the first water station of this marathon true. of nary a single mention maybe like one for three whole books and i finally decide that it was a red herring and the next <laughs> page oh that unmade you have encased in there i remember gavilar had something like that what so yeah it's back on top of the list I fully support Elliot. I think he
2: should continue to deny that the dark sphere is important <laughs> and then hopefully we'll we'll get to learn about it. So
1: Any other big questions or are you ready for the list of minor?
0: Paul, do you have any before we go?
1: Uh cool book. Sounds good. Go. Okay talk about the major ones but of course it's Brandon sanderson so there's a whole host of other random seemingly not important things that i now have questions about and they are shin honor blades tezim aona sky cultivations perpendicularity yasna's past azure azure's blade the sibling I could not come up with a single like word or something for this, but we've come across a metal that appears to have magic properties. They were using it to hide the the span um, read the span read the soul and master. soul casting within colonar. So yep. anyway, super powerful metal stuff. Ether, the black fisher, the spawning mother, the faceless. Shashara, the Stone of Ten Dawns, the Painting, Ba'ado Mishram, Kemo Arish, I'm butchering all these names, I'm sorry, the Windrunner's Fourth Ideal, Zeta the Voiced, Di-Gonarthis, Braze, Midius, Bata-Elin, Fortune, and Rays. Let me just say,
0: next week, we are going into Arcanum Unbounded, and we will be reading excerpts out of that for the next month, and we will be answering some of those questions you just had next week. And Let's not go. not just one or two, we're, as- we're answering several next week with my Cosmere 101 episode that I will be presenting that's
2: great, because I think I recognized a quarter of the things he just named, so.
0: All right. Are there any closing thoughts on Oathbringer by Brandon Sanderson before we close it and move on to some wider Cosmere stories before Don and Rhythm of War?
1: Once again, cool book. Once again, for me, what a journey! We, we've said this. We're, we're kind of beating that that metaphor to death now, but we paid for. We, we did the work. We've gone through the slog, the slow journey, and the payoff was was so worth it. And not just the payoff of this book, the payoff of the three books that we've read so far. All of the moments building up to this epic, frantic scene. At the end of Oathbringer is pretty, pretty incredible, pretty incredible. I 100% agree.
2: I've and said Elliot when when, sorry, when, when, Elliot. Whenever we start our next book, ne- next Stormlight book, Rhythm of War, we'll be knowing we're past that halfway mark. Isn't that fun?
1: That's pretty neat. Past halfway, Jason. we'll be further than Trevor was when we started this we will yeah true i can't wait to the part where we
2: can go back and watch the episode they made like 2 years ago <laughs> about rhythm of war
0: i've said this a couple times but i will say it again next week we will be doing Ars arcanum the reading for that is going to be the title excerpts from each system and the chap and the chapter 1 of white sand that's in arcanum unbounded the week after that we will be going into Emperor's Soul which is also an Arcanum Unbounded and then after that we will be doing The Sixth of Dusk and Shadows for Silence in the Forests of Hell so we can reconvene next week thank you for joining me for Oathbringer Paul and Elliot see you later you're welcome